0: Love Talk Radio.
1: time, fellas. Let's get into it. Hey, what's up, everybody?
2: This is Mike Dussault, PastPropaganda.com, and welcome back. The Past Propaganda podcast is finally back, and uh, I'm excited today. We brought on a bunch of contributors this year, and I'm joined by three of them today. Uh, the guys will be taking over the podcast when I can't be on it, but uh, I want to introduce everybody, Rick Starkey, Adam Magnaka, and Nico Davos, who are joining us today. All have uh, been putting in some great stuff on the site, uh, which you guys might be familiar with. So we're going to uh, jump back into the podcast. we only got 30 minutes, so, uh, so no time to spare. So let's just kick it off. Nico, I'm going to start with you, man. Uh, what's your uh, What's your initial reaction to the 53-man cuts this weekend, and uh, what What stands out most in your mind? Uh, you know, it's interesting.
0: I, I think one of the more um, interesting parts were the four tight ends kept, obviously, and, and only the four receivers. Obviously, they have to feel real good about Amendola's health. Um, and expect a lot of two, three tight end sets this year for sure. Yeah, are
2: you uh, are you concerned at all about how Martellus Bennett looked there in the last couple of preseason games? I don't know. I don't know what you guys thought, but I, there were just moments, and I don't. I don't want to be this guy, but I'm like at moments, I'm like, God, he looks kind of disinterested. I don't know. Maybe it was just like the the, the, the tinted shield or something. You can't really see his face. But but what did you think of Bennett this preseason, Nico?
0: I mean, he was definitely underwhelming, especially the last game. I wanted him to get, get going with Brady. I mean, Brady went went for a while. Um, he dropped that pass early. He just seemed disinterested, like you said. Um, uh, I, I still think he's going to be a big contributor come the regular season, and he's obviously um, – things are going to open up with Gronk coming up next to him as well. So we'll see, but it was definitely underwhelming.
2: Yeah, missing from practice yesterday. I don't know what that's about. That was a little concerning. But uh, speaking of other weapons, uh, Rick, you had a, a great piece this week, broke down DJ Foster. I mean, he kind of came onto the scene right at the end. Was I think he was injured the first couple of weeks, and then it was like, all of a sudden, holy shit, like there's a the new guy. It looks really good. Uh, wh- what did you see from DJ Foster in, in breaking him down? And, uh, you know, what can you tell us about what to expect from him maybe this uh, early this season?
1: Early on in the season, I think D.J. Foster is going to kind of come on along a little bit slower because they're still going to be you know, throwing the ball to James White. He's probably got more experience with blitz pickup, things like that, keeping Jimmy upright on the passing plays. So I think D.J. Foster might come along a little slower at first. But I think where he might contribute on the depth chart that people might not be aware of, but I mentioned in my Foster piece, is that Foster played both receiver and running back in college so I think he might be the sneaky fifth receiver on the roster as opposed to Matt Slater, which I love Matt Slater, but I hate when he runs go routes. Uh, yeah,
2: I, I mean, I, if I never see Matthew Slater play wide receiver or kick returner again, it'll be too soon. And, I mean, I love the guy. I mean, obviously he's a cat, maybe he's a pro bowler. I think Ben Volan probably had him getting cut. But uh, um. <laughs> let, me ask, <laughs> let me ask you this, man. Do you, think, do you think there's a chance, and I know there's plenty of people out there who believe this, and, and I feel like these are two warring factions within Patriot Nation not, right now between J- the James White fans that I'm affectionately calling the White Boys uh, and the Foster guys, but do you think there's a chance that DJ Foster surpasses James White by the end of the season?
1: I think there's a pretty good chance of that. Um, he's got an extra step on him in every facet of the game. He's just quicker in general. Um, he may have uh, a little bit better instincts as a receiver, which going down the field against you know, a Broncos team in the playoffs might be a big deal um, on wheel routes and such. Getting underneath those balls and catching them instead of dropping several potential first downs. Uh, yep. I think that could be very nice to see, and I think that that will lend a lot to him eventually passing James White in the depth chart.
2: I just feel like I I feel like White I, I felt like Foster he just kinda runs harder and I mean I I still despite Belichick being like, Oh, James White's taking on more this year it still just seemed like Foster just runs harder and you know, I just like I don't know. I mean I, I hate being James White hater. I mean I think he is what he is, but um I don't know. I guess we'll have to just wait and see. But it is exciting to have another another guy there, but uh and so, Adam, this year you're going to be doing like the scouting reports on Wednesday. Taking he's got a piece coming up on Wednesday, which will kind of kick us off. Look at all the, at all the stats. Uh, what about you? What do you think? Uh, what were your initial reactions to the 53-man roster? Any anything that stood out to you? Surprised you? Uh, things you're excited about? New guys? What uh, what would you think?
3: Well, you know, like everyone else, I was a little interested about the the four receivers on the depth chart. But I kind of love them keeping Clay Harbor and AJ Derby, which I. Didn't really consider as a possibility. But, uh, you know, Clay Harbor has that versatility as like the fullback tight end could split out wide. You don't know what he could do. And AJ Derby, I love watching him play. I've been tooting his horn since last summer. And I said, he's going to be Studfeld, but he's going to make the team. <laughs> and uh, Zach Studfeld, for those of you who remember. Um, uh, no, they, I think if you're listening gonna...
2: to this podcast, you better know who Zach Studfeld is. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
3: someone who I really, you know, I knew he was going to make the team, but I love watching Jacoby Brissett, uh, this off season. I thought he was, you know, I think he looks like a Ben Roethlisberger type and I think he's going to stick around in the team for a while. I think he keeps trending upward. Um, going on to the Cardinals, you know, what a test for Garoppolo. Here's your first start against everyone's NFC Super Bowl pick. Um, I'm skeptical about Tyron Matthew. You know, he hasn't played all preseason. He's been injured, and this is going to be his first, like, real game action. I think it's going to take a while for him to get settled, and I don't think he's going to be as effective as we remember him being. Um,
2: it's a big challenge. It was a big challenge to throw him right in. I mean, and potentially, I mean, I last year it was his role covering, like, slot receiver. I mean, you, you could theoretically see him on Edelman or Amendola, which, I mean, you're going to get thrown right into the fire. And I know both Edelman and Amadola are all coming off injuries too. So, I mean, it's just like, all right, who can overcome their off-season surgery the quickest between Matthew or those two guys. But overall, but I, let's Edelman go back to Edelman didn't pair ACLs. Yeah, that's true. Very really? true. Very true. And I, I mean, did you guys let I'll stick with you, Adam. I mean, what what did you think of Edelman? I mean, I was like – feeling like, man, I'm waiting for him to kind of, like, have that big catcher that, like, he's back moment. And I, I never really felt like that came this preseason.
3: I'm not too worried about Edelman because we've seen him get injured and come back and be the same guy. So I think he's, you know, even when he was injured in the playoffs last year against, oh, it was it Kansas City? You know, he was mm-hmm. gutting it out through, like, obviously in a lot of pain because he said surgery after and was gimping hard. But uh, I, yeah. I think he's still very capable of contributing, like coming off injury. If he's playing, I think he's going to help.
2: All right. got to talk about the defensive side of the ball, too, because we've been focusing on the offense. And, and the old joke when friends and I were doing this podcast was that we always ended up, like, spending five minutes on offense, and then we'd talk 25 minutes. <laughs> it. We, we don't have to do that today. But, I mean, I, this is, like, I feel like the defense I've been waiting for. I mean, it's finally coming to fruition, and, you know, I've written a lot about when I started really writing about the Patriots, that's what interested me most. It's like, all right, well, Belichick's going to have the chance to rebuild the defense from scratch. How often does a Hall of Fame head coach have a chance to build a whole side of the ball? Total power, can do what he wants, and now we're kind of seeing that. You know, 2014 was nice. They got Revis, and wow, that's exciting. But, you know, as I wrote this week, you see the holes in that 2014 defense. that never really came to fruition. You know, Ninkovic and Chandler – they went the distance. There was nobody in back of them. Will Fork comes back from an Achilles. Nobody knows if he's gonna be the same guy. Oh my god, he is the same guy. It's like he didn't even miss a beat. Uh, you know, they were able to lo- overcome losing Mayo again. Um, but overall the defense is just I mean, they just they're stacked. I mean, they're stacked across the board. Uh Miko, what what stands out to you on the defense? What are you most excited about? I mean the depth is just overwhelming and, and the top level talent is just it's solid across the board.
0: Yeah, I mean I agree.
2: It's For me
0: right now, the most interesting part is the front seven. Chris Long has looked – you know, it seems like every play he's either getting held or making a play or, or, you know, getting in the backfield. He's looked rejuvenated early on. Um, Jabal Sheard, we need to see him get back healthy. Mingo looked – I understand he was playing against second and third string guys, but he looks explosive. And I think – you know, if he can find a niche at, at that linebacker spot, it looks like he's going to play, you know, standing up most of the time. Um, he's going to be interesting. He's, he's a guy that, uh, that obviously got after the passer in college, and, and we'll see what he can do because he's, he's, uh, you can see his speed and explosion. It's evident.
2: Yeah, I I mean Mingo's fascinating, and I swear I got I got in, like the longest Twitter fight with some guy about Mingo who just seemed to think that like oh now we can let Jamie Collins go. I'm like what? What? No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Collins is like yeah, old, thirty yeah. pounds more than Mingo, <laughs> and I mean and I and I was blown away by Mingo like everybody, but uh, you know from what I saw looking at him, yeah, it just it's great. He's super fast and he's and he's aggressive too. It's not like he he is is timid in any way. But it's just he's 240-ish pounds, and once he gets in traffic and a tackle gets his hands on him, it's over. Uh, you know, So, Rick, what, uh, what what are your thoughts on Mingo? How do you think they kind of use him? I mean, I, it seemed to me like he's got to be off the line. You're not going to stick him on the line. And, and I don't even know if he's a, an edge pass rusher because as, as much as he has the speed, as soon as the, the tackle kind of gets a hold of him, he's kind of done.
1: Yeah, he hasn't shown a lot from being – a hand-on-the-ground guy in the NFL. I watched him a lot at LSU, um, and he could do that there. Perhaps with a better defensive line around him, he might be able to like, sneak in like the easily middle-of-the-line roll, but I don't expect that too heavily out of him. I won't be surprised if they try it. Um, but, yeah, I think he'll be standing up. I think he will be spelling some Jamie Collins reps, which would be great to have him fresh in the stretch of the season. But I think yeah, yeah he's going to be a, a nice versatile tool. That's going to be he's going to sneak up with some crazy stats. I think you know like he'll pop with like seven or eight sacks. Like why isn't this guy starting? What's going on? He's going to get paid huge. He's going to get paid <laughs> huge next year if he pops like he should. Um, yeah, but he's but not else, going to make Jamie Collins expendable.
2: No, I, I mean and that's and that's what makes Collins and Hightower so good is that you know you look back at 2010, 2011 when the Patriots are playing sub packages and you got guys like Mayo and. And God for God, Gary Guyton, and you know they don't have a seven, Gary <laughs> you know you have these guys that if they don't have the the full seven man eight man box, they're gonna get run over, and now it's like, well, we could just play two linebackers and they can't really run on us, but uh Adam, another guy I want to talk about, maybe you can give us a little bit to talk about him is, is that came out of nowhere, Anthony Johnson, who. You know, when they jettisoned easily this year, I kind of thought, well, they're they're going to get rid of all these defensive tackles who are penetrators. They're just going to, I mean, you look at the body types of Branch, of of Valentine, of Terrence Knighten when he was still around. I was like, wow, they're just trying to put sides inside. But then all of a sudden, I mean, Anthony Johnson. I think he missed the first preseason game, but after that, he just came out of nowhere. He made the team, and 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 most importantly, he switched from 65 to 96 yesterday, which was all I really wanted <laughs> was get him an actual number, but. uh but, but what, did you, what have you seen out of Anthony Johnson? Uh, anything that stood out to to you about him?
3: Well, you know, so if, if you can play, you can play. And I think this guy put in enough work and played well enough. And, you know, there was a great article about I couldn't remember who wrote it. I couldn't tell off the top of my head, but it was about his transition from, like, Miami when they told him when he first started. They said, you need to be a big guy if you want to do anything in this league. So he put on all this weight, and he sucked because that's, he was not, you know, a two-gapper. That was not his thing. And he sort of – failed out of there and then new England finds him and he sort of plays the way it seems like he's supposed to. And Bill goes, all right, you can play, you can play. I, I was surprised like you, uh, like you said before, you know, once Easley was gone and, and uh, Chris Jones, I said, Oh, they're getting rid of all these, uh, you know, interior rushers, but if he can carve out a role for that and if he can play special teams, you know, he's got great value to this team and he spells, you know, one of our valuable defensive ends going inside I would be crushed if, you know, Jabal Shear goes inside on a, a passing down and he gets hurt doing something there when I like him on the edge. I think that, again, spells our top-level talent with him on the team.
2: Here's a question. Does anyone give the tiniest shit that Rob Ninkovich – I guess I'm going to say busted. I don't know. They, they found some random chemical. Yo,
3: it was the random best chemical. thing that ever happened to him. Right. <laughs> I've never seen someone get suspended and an entire like group of fans go, Nink, we love you. You're the man, dude. You're the best. You're a a true patriot.
2: I know. I mean, and, and, and the funny thing is, is I love how this always works out where you're like, there's another roster spot to work with. And I mean, really with a torn tricep, was he, you know, maybe he would come, you know, I mean, and he's been practicing, so maybe he would have been available this week, but at the same time, it's kind of a bonus because, A, you get the, the roster spot, and, B, you get you give him full time to heal. And, I mean, it's like you look at the, the, the depth right now, it's like, wow, we, re- we really don't even need him that bad to start with, I mean, at least with the guys who are healthy. As I said earlier, if this was two years ago and there was nobody behind him, we would have been screwed. I mean, you know, you would have had oh, some panic random role playing. You know, so I—I I don't know. Just Nick, I know you're not listening to this podcast, but we love you, and really <laughs> nobody gives a shit or thinks that. You know, in the old days, I feel like this would be like, well, he's got a needle in his ass, he's taking steroids, but now it's like, you know, he went to GNC and bought something. and yeah, it's just—it's so silly. But we don't need to turn this into a rant against the NFL, do we? Because uh, you know, we're 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 sitting here with Tom Brady suspended, so we don't need to talk about that all right now. We, we don't have enough that time. And there's not enough time to get into one of those rants, so. Uh, one more area we got to talk about because this is just like I, I feel like and everybody wants to talk about what the you know what the flaws of the team are and everything but when I look at this the guy that scares me it's just Nate Solder it's like don't lose Nate Solder I think we can manage the right tackle position but but Nico what do you what do you think of the offensive line the depth I mean I know there's some questions at right guard some guys healthy Tooney's been a standout but you know what stands out to you about the offensive line and and you know am I am I crazy to think that Jesus Nate Solder goes down then it's kind
1: of going to be a rough go
2: Uh,
0: I mean the O-line is it it keeps me up at night for sure is is Marcus Cannon (laughs) the player that we've seen the last couple weeks and during the preseason or is he going to be the same guy that we've known for the last couple years you know before Scar came back Uh, I don't know that's one of the main issues there as far as if Solder goes down does anyone really trust Waddle because I certainly don't Cameron Fleming we've seen what happens when he gets extensive playing time. I mean, tackles the – if if there is an Achilles heel for this team, we saw it last season, It's the microscope's back on the O-line again.
2: You know, but at the same time, like, like, I feel like we all kind of overreacted a little bit to Vaughn Miller playing, like, the greatest – you know, I mean, he had, like, probably the greatest two-game stretch. And I, the only thing I could get equated to – being a hockey fan and a hockey player growing up, was like, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's always like one goalie gets hot, he can take his team to the Stanley Cup. Like, that's one player who can make that much of a difference in the sport for a championship. Last year, I felt like that was Vaughn Miller. And, you know, people who are apoplectic that Marcus Cannon couldn't block Vaughn Miller, it's like, who the hell could block Vaughn Miller last year? I mean, you know, we would need Bulmer and Solder at the top of their game, and and we've seen them block Vaughn Miller. But, you know, and I also think people forget... Nobody, nobody noticed Marcus Cannon in 2013 when he replaced Sebastian Vollmer. He did fine. Vaughn Miller didn't. I don't know, right. As far as I can remember, tear him up uh, in that, but you know, I, I agree. I think that's that's going to be an area area to watch. Um, Rick, wh- what do you think? I, and I hate to say on the defensive side of the ball or the offensive side of the ball, but what do you think of the depth at wide receiver? That's another area. I know you mentioned Foster could maybe come in there and add some depth, and Amendola coming back is good, but. Uh you know it seems a little precarious now, with only four receivers on the on the
1: on the roster, yeah, four is definitely a bit shallow um also with everybody coming back from some kind of injury or other aside from or did chris hogan have off season surgery as well, even he was in um, and out,
2: i mean he was in and out, yeah yeah training camp i mean
1: so so hogan Amendola, Edelman, and Mitchell have all been dinged up in the past nine months um so that's a, that can be a little frightening to look at because suddenly we can be down to, oh God, let's call up Devin Lucian and Devin Street, and hope these guys can get ready with Jimmy in time for Week Four. And yeah, not get, not get killed by Tom Brady in Week Five. <laughs> um, God forbid. Yeah, yeah. Well,
2: I mean, the other the other thing that that is like kind of on my mind as well is the running back position because i always wanted this offseason i really wanted to draft i wanted to draft the running back and the tackle and right now how much could we use like a running back and a tackle from the draft but you know meanwhile we're drafting camu grugier hill who i'm glad i'm not gonna have to worry about going or saying his name anymore um as much as everybody seemed to love him. I, I, I'm not sure. I think uh, uh, Jamie Conway, one of the other contributors, he gave, like, email, and he's like, why is everyone obsessed with this guy? Like, I don't get it. He's just a <laughs> bunch I, I don't really know. I don't really know. And now, and now he's, I think, with the Bears, or somebody picked him he's up. He's with the Eagles. Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles. So, you know, it's like, wow, we couldn't we could have spent one of those drop picks to, like, improve on Fleming or Waddle or, or something. But the running back position, I mean, is, is Blount, Blount look legit? Right, Adam? I mean, he looked good this year. What happens? I just feel like he's better when there's, like, an early down guy. You get the early yards and then loosen up the defense, and then you bring Blount in. Uh, you know, is this a concern in the, in the way the NFL plays today? Is this a concern only having Wagera Blount really as, like, a trusted big back?
3: Well, you know, so the, the running back kind of scary for everyone. Ever since the draft, and everyone goes, you know, New England's going to – they've got to draft someone. The draft goes by, and no one feels any better about the position. But uh, New England just recently signed Bishop Sankey to their practice squad, which a lot of people get excited about. And our um, fellow past proppy contributor, uh, Pete Smith, wrote uh, a a cool piece on. Um, But the thing about the Patriots practice squad is it's where NFL running backs go to to die. So I, I, for whatever reason, I forgot who they signed last year, who I was praying. Some former Broncos. Yeah, Monte yeah, Ball. Yeah, Monte Ball. You know, they sign him and yeah. think, oh, he's a big guy. He can get the the short yards. He'll get the touchdown on the one-yard line. And, you know, we never hear from him again. So I'm sort yeah. of afraid that I, might happen with Sankey, too.
2: It's so maddening. Like, I mean, I you know, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm fine, like, criticizing the Patriots with, like, you know, head scratchers. You know, it's like I don't want to criticize them about, oh, they missed on a six-round draft pick. This is ridiculous. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's always that, like, where does it meet where you need a guy, but you can't draft a guy because supposedly you don't think he fits. So, you know, oh, well, we're just going to go into the season with the same shitty tackle and running back depth we had last year. <laughs> uh, I mean, these are the things, these are the things that stress me out. That's why I think I just try to focus on the defensive side of the ball, but – um Another guy. I mean, I hate to jump back and forth between defense and offense, but you know we're we're getting back into the flow here with the with the podcast, so we'll just do what we have to do. Uh, Jonathan Freeney and Alandon Roberts, Nico, those guys, two interesting players. I mean, Alandon Roberts. I mean, you know, I, I he stood out far more than Kamu Grujic Hill. There it is again. I had to say it. Uh, he stood out to me far more. I mean, he's a he comes downhill hard. He has no fear about filling the hole. It reminds me. Not as not as big as spikes, but a little bit you know, Freeney was the guy that I wanted to upgrade this year. I feel like they kinda of did with McClellan. That allowed some freedom and now with Mingo. But they extended Freeney, who then, you know, it says, Oh, he's the he's the greatest guy in the world in the locker room and works hard, sets the tone, you're like, Alright, I guess I get it, but you know, on the field we see him and it's almost like I feel like in the defense Roberts almost looks like he could potentially be the better linebacker than Freeney, although we'll be you know, sticking around with Freeney for a while. What are, what are your thoughts on those guys, uh, kind of as a you know, what, do, what did you see out of them in the preseason?
0: Well, as far as Freeney goes, I agree. It was just a head-scratcher as far as, you know, he was a guy I almost thought was going to be on the bubble, before, just because of the depth between, you know, Grugier-Hill and Alandon and Roberts and the new young guys in the mix. I kind of wanted them to go a different uh, direction there, but obviously they love Franey, like you said, because of the intangibles, the special teams, leadership, yada, yada, yada. But as far as being a linebacker backing up Collins and Hightower, uh, you know, he wasn't impressive last year during the season by any stretch, and he wasn't great, um, you know, in whatever limited action he had in the preseason. So I, I don't know. Roberts, as far as, if he goes, you know, we could tell he's tough. He he fought through that knee injury or whatever was bothering him uh, against the Giants there. But uh, there is minimal depth in the middle, as far as behind Collins and Hightower. I'd like to see where McClellan fits in in that mix as well.
2: Yeah, I think uh, as long as it's Hightower and Collins, I think we're good. You know, I mean, you can work. That's going to be fine. If, you know, if we're mid-season and it's we're trying to. Hide Mingo from the sub runs, and uh, and you know you got McCullen playing middle linebacker again. I don't know, it might get it might get a little dicey, but we've just about got six minutes left, so we got. I mean, we got to turn the page, and, and we just got to real quick talk about Jimmy Garoppolo because here he goes. He's going into Arizona. Uh, Rick, what what are your thoughts on Garoppolo based on what you saw in the preseason? How do you feel about him going up uh,
1: against that defense on the road? Tough opener. That is one of the hardest openers he could have. Uh, that defense is excellent they've got everybody coming back now and Jimmy did not look good enough to make me think he's going to set the world on fire but he didn't look bad enough to make me think that he's going to set our world on fire Um, (laughs) he I mean that Bronx who is functionally uncoverable. So that's going to be a huge thing yeah. for Jimmy to be able to survive with. As long as, as long as Gronk's good, I think Jimmy will be just fine, uh, even against a team like Arizona that is defensively loaded. Yeah. Um, I mean,
2: I, I've been writing. Don't don't make mistakes. You know, just like just don't make the bad interceptions. Just take the sack. It's fine. Just let the defense do their thing. Um, you know, and but I mean, I think we what we did see out of Garoppolo. Granted, it was it was in stretches, but it's just that quick release. And I think that you know, especially on the screens, that's I feel like that's his big strength, It's because the, just the, before the defense can get there, he can fire that ball out so quick, get it to the running back. You know, we saw it with James White, who was of course tackled at the one yard line uh, on that <laughs> on that nice screen pass in the preseason. But you know, I, I mean. Adam, what do, you, what do you think the big key is other than, you know, Brock? Gron- I mean, is it, is it going to be Edelman? Is it going to be a running game? I mean, how do you, how do you game plan with Garoppolo? What, what do you say going in? What are, we, what are you going to try to do to play to his strength?
3: Well, you know, right away, the first thing you think when you have a rookie quarterback in his first start, you think you want to get a lot of high percentage completion throws to start the game and a lot of successful runs and make easy down a distance for, you know, third down. Um, and I would feel more comfortable with Jimmy if I felt more comfortable about the running game. So I think if, if Blount, James White, Foster, Devlin, whoever goes off or has at least a productive game, I think Jimmy can make all the high-completion throws that, you know, hopefully he has good chemistry with all these receivers who have been out for a while uh, with all these option routes. You know, he hasn't practiced with Amendola all off season. So if Amendola plays, who knows how, you know, if there's going to be miscommunication, if, you know, Dola and and Garoppolo are on the wrong option route. That's an easy pick six for a smart Cardinals defense who's always there. Um, So I want to echo that sentiment. I don't know that um, my world's not on fire, but I don't think he's going to set the world on fire either. I'm just hoping (laughs) that he gets, you know, the help he needs. And I think with four, I would say good to – legendary tight ends on the roster that he has a good shot of being protected and having good uh, safety valves all around the field.
2: Wait, did you just call Clay Harbor legendary?
3: No, no, no. <laughs> I
2: said good to legendary.
3: I think Clay Harbor good. And Clay AJ Harper's Derby the is the
2: legend. Yeah, he will be. Well, I think it's a great point because I think that was a big problem in the preseason was that you know they were they were they were taking bad plays early and early in the in the in the downs and you know it's like the guys like he only completed one third down it's like yeah well they were all like third and twenty like what do you want them to do like I you know sometimes it's unrealistic expectations but uh, all right two and a half minutes left let's just go down the down the board I hate doing predictions but we got to do them Nico I'm gonna start with you. What, what's your what's your overall prediction for the game and just the general sentiment how you think it's gonna go? Uh, we just got two minutes left, so bang it out. All
0: Come right, now I'll be quick. The Arizona front seven worries me. Um, they got Eakin, We know Chandler Jones, Clyde Campbell. Um, if you give me the six points, I like the Pats, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a low score. Twenty
2: seventeen. Give me give me the Pats. That's good. You can't, you can't. By the way, that's the rule. You can't pick. You can't take the Cardinals on the podcast. By the way,
1: so just yeah, saying no that out. Rick, what do you got? Yeah, I've got the Patriots winning a close game. They know how to win them. I mean, and Adam, what do you think?
3: Uh, I hate to be the outlier, but I'm thinking 21-24 Cardinals. But I think Jimmy plays a game that proves he's worthy of starting and gives us confidence to win the rest of the three games. And I think Chandler Jones plays an average game.
2: <laughs> but it's September. This prime Chandler Jones time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it cool. was in <laughs> December. <laughs> it was in December. We were like, where the hell is Chandler Jones? Where's he going? Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank Rick, Adam, and Nico for, for joining in. We're, 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 we'll get more of this year now. That we have a whole little army of past propaganda uh, contributors <laughs> helping out. And – uh and I'm, I guess I've got to make my prediction. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Cardinals win, too. I don't know why. Why not? Because who cares? It's an NFC game. It's the first one. It's going to be sloppy. Uh, you know, but no matter what Jimmy does, it won't be enough. And, uh, so just get ready for lots of complaining. And when's Brady coming back? So, Thanks, guys, for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back soon. And go, Pat.
1: This is a football team. It's not a bunch of guys running around out there in the same jersey. This is a football team. And for 60 minutes... You're going to have to deal with all of us, and it's going to be a long night.